What's up, podcast listeners? This episode is a great one for any and all emerging brands looking to engage effectively with retailers. Shirley White, founder, owner, and managing director of UK-based OTC Beverages, has mastered her elevator pitch for buyers, having delivered it several dozen times as a recent Discovery Hub participant at ECRM's Euro Food Session. With the assistance of ECRM's client success managers and armed with information about the buyers with whom she would be meeting, she honed her presentation down to its crucial elements, who they were, what products they manufactured, and how they could meet each buyer's category needs and objectives. She even was able to leave some time for questions after her presentation. She also participated in ECRM's efficient supplier introduction for Black-owned businesses. There, she had 10 minutes to present to a panel of more than 20 beverage buyers from U.S.-based retail chains. So she added a little bit to her pitch, but still left more time for Q&A as that 10 minutes was her only shot. In this episode, Shirley gives us a little background on her company and the products they make which include an organic, non-alcoholic ginger beer and Sorel beverages. And then she gives some details on how she prepped her pitches for both the virtual session and the ESI. ECRM has more than 80 category-specific virtual sessions in which suppliers and buyers meet face-to-face at scale, as well as dozens of efficient supplier introductions during which suppliers have the opportunity to pitch a panel of up to 20 buyers at one time. For more information, visit ecrm.marketgate.com. I'll also have a link to our website in the show notes below. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. Joe Tarnowski with ECRM here, and I have with me today Shirley White, who's the founder, owner, and CEO of OTC Beverages. And she was a recent participant in our Euro Food virtual session, as well as the recent Beverages Black-Owned ESI session. So, Shirley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joe, for having me. It's a pleasure. So, um, let's, let's start off with, give us an overview of your company and your origin story, because I checked it out on the website. It was very cool. So, uh, just give us the background. Okay. All right. So, um, my, my background is not in the food industry at all. Um, all I used to do before is just consume food and drink and that was it. But um, having left, um, decided to move on from the city of London, because that's where my background is, banking and finance, I decided to look at what could be different and go into something a bit more edgy, where I can still meet a lot of people, but learn something along the way. So um, back in 2017, um, my fa- it was my father's 80th birthday. And um, at that party, there's a lot of people in, in the community that make their own beverages, homemade beverages. And um, it was this, there was this lovely ginger beer and this lovely sorrel drink that was made by um, one of the, the, the um, brothers from my father's church. And um, I thought to myself, it'd be really nice to basically have my own recipe with um, a ginger beer and sorrel, but have it in a really stylish presentation, use quality ingredients but have it so that the younger generation can actually pick it up off the shelf because the older generation, like my father's generation, they used to soaking it and doing all these different things and grating ginger. You're not going to get a 20 year old <laughs> to no. do that sort of thing. Not with the nail thing. 
So um, I thought to myself, it'd be really good to basically bring good quality flavours of the Caribbean to the younger generation and the wider population as well, but in a, a premium packaging um, to, to see what they think. So um, I went on a journey from then. And uh, my father was very supportive and my mother and the rest of the family. So I did some research around um, what's involved in going into a beverage and, and, and all that sort of thing. And um, how to work with the contract supplier, who best to work with. And most importantly, which was um, key for me, is that because when you manufacture something as opposed to making it at home, the flavours can be slightly different. But I wanted it to be as close to as homemade tastes as possible. So um, I made the recipe at home and then um, I went on the journey of finding somebody to work with from a contract perspective, you know, was it, and then I asked myself the question, am I going to put it in a bottle? Is it going to be a plastic bottle? Is it going to be whatever? So I thought clearly the plastic bottle is not the way to go. Um, so I decided to go with um, a right weight um, bottle, which is really good for transportation. And I also wanted the rest of the um, packaging and everything to be completely environmentally sound so it could just break down into the environment. So I checked that out with all the supplies that I, I, I went into, um, that I investigated with. And that's why I came up with the sleeve as well, which I think gives it that premium look and um, makes it look like good quality. It is good quality though. <laughs> and um, so it matches the quality. The look matches the quality absolutely, of the inside. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Because everybody, I mean, one of the things that you do when you, when you sort of like make get your beverage and when I first got it into market it was you know I'd stand there and watch people's reactions to the drink you know because I'd want to see what their faces are saying you know it's like having your baby you know do you think my baby's pretty um, and people used to say you know those words refreshing tasty and um, you know looks good before they even opened the packaging they opened it they were looking at the packaging and then the taste was the added you know the um, bonus to the whole thing so yeah so that's that's what I did Excellent. And tell, yeah, take us through your products. So um, what we have is a still and sparkling um, ginger beer, um, non-alcoholic. And um, in the sparkling versions, we use the same um, sparkling process as Fever Tree. And we have a still and sparkling sorrel drink as well. So sorrel and ginger beer still versions are made very much in the Caribbean community. If you go any, into any Caribbean restaurant, you're going to find it. And there's also, you know, with sorrel as well, just the whole plant is very good for um, your health. So you can actually put sorrel leaf into your salads. Um, you can use, you can boil the, the product and use it as a tea. Um, so there's many different ways of, of um, consuming the, the product, but it's very good for cleansing the system, cleansing the kidney, keeping you healthy. Um, and the sorrel plant is on the same plant as the rosella plant with hibiscus and all those different things. So it's very, very good for you. And what with all of the pandemic and, and stuff, it's, it's very good to basically look at what you're consuming from a soft drinks perspective. So that has added benefit. And then with the ginger beer, um, everybody knows how good ginger is. It's good for the joints, um, good for digestion. Um, and it gives you that little bit of a, a kick <laughs> first thing in the morning. So, um, so yeah, so I wanted to create products that could be drunk just every day, but it has added health benefits associated with it, which was very important for me. I remember long t one time, a long time ago, um, I had a fever and a friend of mine actually boiled ginger roots. Yeah. And then I drank that and the mm -hmm. fever broke within by the end of the day it was amazing Absolutely. so yeah uh but yeah so that 
that's very cool. And and the OTC mm. talk about <laughs> the uh, what's behind that. Yeah. So um, I was thinking about what to call it, and um, so what to call the brand. So I went on a, again a journey, and um, so I've got two sons. Um, their names are Omari and Tyrone. So the O stands for Omari and the T stands for Tyrone. And I also have a nephew called Corey. So th that's one of the versions of the OTC. Um, also, the drink can be bought over the counter. Um, also, it's organic traditional concoctions. And um, because I used to work in the city, I used to work with a lot of traders. And um, before over-the-counter trading came out, I knew all about what traders used to do because I used to look after all of their data and sign it off and, and whatever. So um, I, I used OTC to hark back to the times when I was in the city. So um, many people come up with different connotations, you know, original taste of the Caribbean and all that sort of thing. But, but primarily that's what OTC stands for. Okay, so you have a lot going on there. The only problem is what happens if you have any more kids? <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> You're going to have to add another letter or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Or put some little tag on the end, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> OTC and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right now, where are you distributed? You're based in London right now? That's right. So we're based in London and um, we actually work with the wholesale food, um, wholesalers or distributors, I should say, mm -hmm. um, Whole Foods Tree of Life, which is great. Mm -hmm. We got signed up with them during the pandemic, which is fantastic. So they've got a very good name in the, in the health industry amongst mm -hmm. many different people. So we're working with them. We've also, it works in the process of signing up with um, Stevenson Online. And that's from the um, ECRM platform we mm -hmm. met over there. So working with um, Taylor and... Uh, yes, and I know him very well. Yeah, <laughs> so that's been really good. And, um, and then we sell into restaurants in London and takeaways. And uh, we're basically just hitting the streets and letting people know about the brand. We're posting on Instagram, posting Facebook, um, you know, all of the different sites so that people know about the brand. So, and we've done um, a few, t continue to do some taster sessions as well to get it into, you know, good quality um, shops for people to buy off the shelf as well. So we, we are pushing very hard. Excellent. So, and you're, and you're looking to expand uh, your reach. Absolutely. The, the participation in our virtual session. Uh, before we get into that part, uh, you know, I found it interesting. You just said that you were picked up during the pandemic. So yeah. how has the pandem pandemic kind of impacted your business? Well, it did impact it quite a bit in the sense that, because um, I tend to plan everything at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and that just comes from the time when I worked in the city, yeah. just doing everything sort of like come August, September time, you're planning for the following year. Mm -hmm. So I booked everything in January and I thought, right, 2020, going to be really good fantastic so we had a couple of events um in the excel center and also the olympia center mm -hmm. and we were going to go to jamaica as well for an expo which i was really looking forward to because i was going to sit on the beach the second week yeah. <laughs> but um all of that got thrown up in the air so um the excel um event with nope um, that's a natural organic um, mm -hmm. product event so they basically um Matt, put me in touch with the guys at, um, at the health store tree of life and uh, we went for a conversation. They, we talked about the brand with the buyer and they became interested. So we got signed up with them during, during the pandemic. 
but again it's a process that you go through and yeah. you know um to onboard everything and and get everything right so at that time a lot was shut down so um everybody even the buyers were sort of like you know what do we do now so <laughs> you know that's that's basically everything had to be shifted from you know that face-to-face -face contact to um online so i think everybody was going through that transition and it affected us the same way because the excel center got turned into a hospital in london i don't know if you heard about that oh no not, yeah the 19 gale hospital so the chances of having any exhibitions are pretty slim and i think parts of it still remain as a backup um for if we have a second um second uh, wave so um so yeah it was a real eye-opener because i'm i'm used to basically that people interaction and you know going to events and meeting and chatting and you know exchanging business cards so it's 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 just a change you just have to learn to adapt and i think that's the most important thing and you have to be open to change and reevaluating the situation and moving forward from there well that certainly was the case with us <clears throat> i was supposed to be in rome in march at the Euro food session. Wow. And then all of this happened. And, you know, so that's why we, you know, we realized that, like you said, you know, business has still got to go on. It mm. still has to happen. But, and the buyers needed to, you know, one, they didn't have that much time. A lot of them were scrambling and they, you know, they couldn't travel and the suppliers needed to get in front of them. So we were like, what can we do to kind of keep that going? And, so that's why we launched the ESIs and the virtual uh, sessions. So uh, now you were in the uh, Eurofoods virtual session and you were one of the first, because I think we newly, we just launched the five minute meetings. Yeah. And so you were one of those. So tell us about your experience. Just, you know, I, I guess from the beginning, you know, once you signed on, how you worked with our Euro team to kind of, get ready and then once you know you started using the platform yeah well what i liked about it and i mean i had the option to go for a longer session 10 minutes and then um i was told about the five minute session and i quite like the idea of pitching um in a short space of time because i think you kind of know whether you're interested or not so um i made the decision specifically to go with the five minute session because i wanted to pack in as many interviews and chats with buyers as possible so um I, I, the, the the people that I worked with um, from ECRM were really good because they took you through the platform, they talked you through how it would work, um, how the timing works, how you can interact and put notes onto the platform, afterwards downloading the information from the platform as well to basically follow up and how easy that is. Um, so And they were always there for you. You know, if you wanted to have a call or a chat, you know, about something you weren't used to or didn't completely understand, you know, they were quite happy to spend the time to talk you through that and go through a session as to how, the, how it works, you know. And I found it really, really easy and interactive. Which was um, which was really good because you know you just see that you see the thing ticking down you can get yourself ready and sort out your hair and <laughs> all that sort of thing so I, I I thought it was really really good and I think it's something that should um, remain even post pandemic you know because I think it's it's a good way of actually going back and and checking on stuff so yeah well we are going to keep it post pandemic yeah. this is uh, this is actually uh, going to be integrated into our normal thing we'll have a combination of virtual and in person once this is all done because there's too many efficiencies, there's savings, you know, you're saving on travel, you're saving on time. Yeah. Time is something that we all can't get back, we can't make Absolutely. more of. And I think both the buyers and the sellers are realizing that they can, you know, get 
a lot more done. Mm. So, and I think it was, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, I think was a big focus of us was the people. I mean, we, we, our digital team built a great platform, but it's the, really the people behind it that kind of work with you are there for you because face it, you do one of these, you're dealing with hundreds of computers, hundreds of Wi-Fi's, something might happen, something mm -hmm. may go, you know, and, you know, to be left on your own is not good. So we make sure that we're there for you to, to, you know, take care of you and, and kind of walk you through every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So which tools did you use? Well, um, I, I use the, the, the five minutes, but I use the, the chat, the notes function um, whilst I was talking which was a bit kind of like, because one of the things that was really interesting because you're, you're like this and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm old school. I like to go back to the pen, you know, but the thing is what happens is you then take your face away from the screen and that can be a bit off-putting and because you've only got five minutes, but I think one of the good things is um, once the session was over and if you wanted to take a quick note, you could look straight at the screen because you have to because you're typing away. Mm -hmm. And then once the call is finished, then you can just continue typing away the information that you need to capture. And then you can, can print, it, print it down as well. So, yeah, I, thought, I've, I just found the whole thing really interactive. And I'd advise anybody that's looking to use the platform to, to utilize the um, resources that the platform provides, because I think it's great. And you brought up a really good point. Uh, and this is something that I, I've actually done videos about, you know, for our best practice videos. Mm. is looking at the screen, looking yeah. at the camera, being there, because you're right. If somebody's writing on the pad, this is, this is what they're going to see. Yeah. So it looks <laughs> like I'm not paying attention, even though yeah, I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you want to make sure that, and even like right now, if you could see the difference, now I'm looking at you, now yeah. I'm looking at my camera. Yeah. So there's even a difference there where you need to kind of, you want to look at them on the screen to make sure that you know that they're paying attention they're engaged but you also want to look at the camera to make sure that yeah they and that's feel... something you get to do actually yes. <laughs> you know you you know you want to look at the person's face you know i have to remember you look at the camera as well you know so yeah. yeah and i mean what one way to and especially like gestures and pointing yeah. like if i point at you it's like that on your end it looks like that but if i point at the camera then it looks yeah. like i'm pointing exactly. at you you know it makes a difference and, uh, and the, the one way to solve that is if you put your camera and computer further away, mm. because then you're looking at them, like the, there's not as much of a dis difference, but then yeah. you're not there. And, you know, so there's a lot of different, uh, um, ways to do it, but tell us about your pitch. Cause I think one of the cool things about that you chose the five minutes is I, there is a benefit to giving yourself constraints. It's, you know, if you have five minutes, you know you got to get it done. So how did you kind of assemble your pitch? Well, first of all, what I did, once I decided I was going to go for the five-minute pitch, I, I thought about what I'm going to put on the presentation. Mm -hmm. And I think creating a presentation, um, a PowerPoint presentation with the key components of what your brand is, because that's what buyers want to hear. They want to hear about ultimately your background, your brand, your product, 
um, where you see it going and why it fits their, their, their platform if you've done your research on that particular company. So um, the first thing I did was think about what am I actually going to say in those five minutes? And I think once you actually take the time to sit down and write a PowerPoint presentation, it kind of like gets everything going in your head as to how you're going to present your offering. So that's why um, doing a presentation, I think, is a good starting point, a good foundation to move you forward. So, um, so that's the first thing I did. And then I thought to myself, how am I actually going to speak? Because five minutes, you don't have that long to basically click through a presentation and say, I'm moving on to the next page sort of thing. So um, the presentation was sent out previously and attached to the invites. Um, I think some buyers got a chance to look at it, maybe others didn't, and they looked at it post the um, the chat. Um, but it was good for me because the pointers that I had, it was only like two or three um, slides, but it was enough to trigger different points in my head as to what I wanted to get across um, within, the, within the interview. So I think I would advise anybody that's looking to do um, an ECRM um, presentation to do a, do a PowerPoint presentation prior to that, two or three pages, but just focus on some key elements that you think you want to get across about your brand, you, your brand, your story, and where you're going and why it fits that particular buyer and that particular company. You nailed it. You nailed <laughs> it. I mean, because that's, in fact, I talked to a buyer recently and that's kind of what, you know, I would ask them, what do you want to see in a presentation? And it was almost exactly what you just said, because the product information is important and the fit to the retailer and doing yeah. the homework, like you said, doing the homework yeah. so that you can tell them how it fits within yeah. their offerings. And they love that stuff. And I noticed <clears throat> that in your pitch, you did not include the origin story, which is good because that takes time. That's like for the next meeting. That's, you know, when you have time, you get that follow-up, you can give them the whole thing, and they could always, you know, check out your website. Absolutely. So just efficient and just bang, get it out yeah. there. So yeah. I like that. G great job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so now, so you also did the, um, the beverage efficient supplier introductions that we uh, created specifically for black-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a little bit different. You were presenting to many buyers, yeah. uh, and you had 10 minutes, so it was probably a lot e easier because you had your pitch <laughs> down. How was that experience? Was that Did you work with our guys the same way to set, set up that? Absolutely. Um, I think even though you feel quite confident with regards to what you've done previously, I think because you're working with a different platform and a different audience, I think it's good to actually have a conversation with the team to, um, to understand, you know, the, the ECRM platform is, is the same as Arrange Me, but it's a different market. Mm -hmm. and, and I think one of the things that, and, and I think I was saying to this, this to you earlier, working in the, or speaking to the US market is, is different. And um, you need to understand um, what it is that you want to get across with regards to, to your product offering. So um, having the call beforehand to understand how it's going to work, because I think it was relatively new focusing mm -hmm. in on um, black owned brands was, was just basically, you know, a good thing to do to, to have prior to, to the call. So the 10 minutes was different in the sense that um, you have 10 minutes so you can actually walk through your, your two, three slide pre presentation and give a really good overview of yourself, where you come from. And I think a lot of people found it interesting that I wasn't from the food industry 
that wasn't my background. I just sort of like came into this and, and decided to do what I did. I mean, the fact, I think the fact that I'd actually educated myself around the market, you know, I did a, I did a grade two um, food um, certification um, with uh, public health through public health in the UK. And then this year I actually did the um, HACCP four grade four level four um, course, which I'm still waiting for the finals to come through on that. So for me, that was important because that means that um, for the next level, if I decide that I want to go into manufacturing and do the thing myself, then I've actually got that good foundation and, uh, you know, uh, with regards to understanding how things work. So, so yeah, so the ECA, ESI platform thing was, was good to go through. Mm-hmm. And the 10 minutes was sufficient to get your, your message across. I mean, a lot of people would say 10 minutes, you know, what are you going to speak about? But trust me, it goes really, really quickly, 10 minutes, you know, when you start talking. And if you've got everything in your head, you still need, actually it's eight minutes because it gives, you've got to give the buyers yeah. time to ask any questions that they may have. Um, and some of them did come back, you know, asking um, which supplier, which distributors are working with, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So there's a lot of follow up to do on that as well. And, and speaking of follow up and, and well, first of all, you mentioned when we talked earlier that <coughs> the mix of buyers that you met with, uh, mm. especially on the on the uh, virtual session was very relevant to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think the actual matching is is important. And that goes back to the team and how they actually research your brand and your products. And I think that's critical because what you don't want is buyers to switch off and not be interested in what you have to offer. And if the um, the consultant on your side is not is, doesn't do their homework on your brand and you as an offering and match you up with the right people, then you're going to have, you know, faces looking at you like, oh, <laughs> OK, we have to sit through this. Do sort of thing yeah. so i think it's important that um you know the way that you you your team and, and your colleagues approached um the brand was important and uh, they understood that they have to do the right matching and research to 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 match you up with the right buyers which was good yep all the prep work uh, it's a lot of it is in the prep i mean yeah. that's that's what sets you up for success absolutely <clears throat> and now you're in the process of follow-ups with everybody yes. from those yeah. two Yes. So that's, that's important as well. And, and I think as a supplier, um, you've got to realize that these things take time. And buyers are very, 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 very busy people. And, and I think, I think um, from, from my perspective, coming from the banking and finance industry, we're used to sort of like, you know, the snap, snap, quick, quick, kind of response you know why haven't you answered my email i sent you a chat what's going on sort of thing um but that's not how it works in the food industry um you know because they have the 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 buyer could be looking over a number of different products um they could decide at any time that they're going to drop something and park it and move on to something else so there's all these different things that can impact um the conversations that you've initially had and that could make you feel like oh no they're not interested in me but as a as a supplier what you need to do is keep that line of communication open send emails give them a call um you know if they say no phone me back in three months or reevaluating things etc um you know particularly now and again you know with the pandemic so many different things have caused people to reevaluate you know companies to reevaluate what it is that they're actually going to be doing going forward for 2021 so you've got to be aware of that and just hold fire and keep things going but keep the lines of communication going um in between 
um, drop them a quick note and, uh, and, and stay focused and, and be patient. I think that's, that's a good thing. All really, really important points. Yeah. I think uh, the patience part is not easy for everybody yeah. to, uh, to do, but yeah. <clears throat> it is essential, especially like you said, it's very uncertain. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of things going on, a lot of people juggling things. Yeah. You could get lucky and maybe they, you know, they're out of stock on something. Yeah. And they need, you know, you, you yeah. Know. So there, there could be new opportunities that mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, it's just keep engaging with them. Like, uh, like you mentioned. So Absolutely. where do you see, I know we talked about this before, but where do you see virtual playing a role in the future when this is all done? I personally feel it's going to continue. I mean, I started working with virtual years ago um, in the city. Um, we used to have video conferencing with it between each other quite regularly. And even the working from home, I mean, a lot of people saying, oh, how are you finding the working from home? I'm like, oh, I've been doing it for years. <laughs> so it's, it's, to me, this is, this is quite normal. So, um, but I, I don't, I don't, I mean, the only challenge with the lockdown was that you weren't able to go out and see your friends and interact as much as you, as you normally would. That was the only downside. Um, but the, the working from home for me was fine because I'd always be going out meeting people, you know, going down to Canary Wharf or to the city or the West End and meeting, having coffee chats and whatever. So it is very familiar to me. Um, but I see virtual continuing. Um, that's what the next generation are used to. Mm -hmm. um, the, the older generation just have to get with it and uh, understand that's, that's not going away. Um, and I can only see it improving. You know, some soon we have like 3D things, you know, <laughs> we'll be doing it on 3D. And, you know, technology is just yeah. moving so fast. So we just got to embrace it and move with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially on the moving, you know, the evolution of it. I mean, mm -hmm. since you have, since your um, virtual session, we've already launched some new features. Oh, we're, wow. we're doing, we have roundtable discussions. Mm. We just did them this week for the first time where it's multiple roundtables, each one on a different topic, and they're moderated, and they're up to 10 people each. And oh, they gosh. filled up instantly. Within two minutes, wow. they were all packed. Oh, and uh, so we're incorporating that. Other thought leadership things, uh, videos embedded into the platform, short videos uh, that mm -hmm. you could watch during your breaks. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have a lounge. So just to go yeah. to and hang out and a company break room, which, you know, if you have multiple people, it's a private area for you guys to go and talk. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to keep evolving. We're going to keep yeah. based on feedback and keep adding things in. Uh, but yeah, but I do... I do look forward to, you know, the in-person coming back. We will have a mix yeah. of both, but, uh, but hopefully it'll be here sooner and later. And me and you will get to meet in person. Well, we may get to meet in person sooner anyway. Absolutely. Yes. I'm going to make York. sure that happens. <laughs> Definitely. So we'll yep. just keep in touch. You just give me yep. a heads up and we'll, Definitely. we'll, uh, set that up. So, uh, so yeah, so great. Thank you for everything. And, uh, thanks <laughs> again for participating in both. And I look forward to catching up with you in person. Yeah, definitely. I too with you, Joe. Thanks for your time and thanks for your support to all of the team. Thank you. All right. I'll, I'll pass it along. Thank you. Thank you so much.